ladies. All right, guys, if you would. All right, they're going to go ahead and remove the uh, pulpit again. We're going to go ahead and use the screen tonight, the overhead projector. The overhead, with it. yeah, the overhead projector. That's what they used to call them, right? Same thing, right? Great miscalculations and mistakes. Great miscalculations and mistakes. Again, we're in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatsoever things were written afore time were written for our learning, that we through patience, we're getting a lot of ringing over here today, I think, guys. It's that new computer we just threw in there, isn't it? But anyway, for whosoever, whatsoever, it's not a new computer, it's a fixed computer. And then, hey, whatever happened with that? I'm just curious. What'd they do? Did they give us any? They didn't, did they? That computer broke down on Sunday. The warranty went out on Monday. We didn't call till Tuesday. And so they won't give us any warranty on it. They said we should have called on Sunday. Isn't that something? Literally one day late. One day late. Isn't that something? But anyway, it only costs us like 150, 200 bucks or something like that. Fortunately, Brother Cavanaugh knows how to fix that stuff. If it wasn't for that, we'd have probably paid $500 for that thing. But anyway, for, he doesn't do work like that, by the way. Don't even call him and ask him to do it, okay? Because he's too busy around here. I don't want him wasting time on your stuff. We got stuff like that to fix. Okay, for whatsoever, thing, <laughs> whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And so we know and we've learned. You See, I got my glasses on today, don't you? See, because I can see distance. I don't have to read as much, see? So I'm good there. But anyway, the fact is, is that the things that were written were written for our learning. And so everything that we read in this book, the Word of God, is for us today. And it may, uh, you know, not everything in itself uh, uh, is for us, uh, but it, uh, I mean, it applies to us directly, but it certainly applies to us in, in our practice and just in practical uh, daily life. So we can learn something from all of those stories. We learn something from all those events and all those situations. And so we're going to learn some things, and we're going to talk about great miscalculations and mistakes. Last week, we talked about Eve. Number one, we said Eve believed Satan's lie that God was holding back blessing. And, of course, we know that God wasn't holding back blessing, but yet the, the devil's a liar, of course. We learned that, and we know that. And, and so he tried to tell Eve, hey, God's holding out on you trying to keep back the best, you know, and, and, and that's what he tries to tell our teens, that's what he tells us, and tries to somehow make us believe that somehow his, our best interest is not in, 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 his, in his best interest, or his main priority, excuse me. Number two, we then looked at Cain. We said Cain envied his brother and ultimately blamed him for his circumstances. He would not take responsibility for himself or his actions. Those were grave miscalculations and mistakes in those men's, uh, men and women's lives. I mean, we, they have, we have to be careful. We have to realize that we have choices to make every day, and they're very important. The decisions we make ultimately set the course for our life and ultimately affect many others. And as we're going to see here in just a few moments as we move ahead and move along, that is indeed the case, okay? So we're going to pick up where we left off, and we're going to consider some more great miscalculations and mistakes, and we're going to see what we can learn from them, all right? So let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. Lord, again, I thank you for just the opportunity that we have to gather tonight. And again, Lord, in these next few moments, may your Holy Spirit speak. Father, may you just move in our life. We thank you for the simplicity of your word and how it can be applied to our life. Lord, sometimes we seek to complicate the word of God, make it difficult, make it hard. But Lord, the reality is, is that it's not difficult. Father, what you say is what you mean, and what you mean is what you say. But Lord, sometimes we're often, you know, we're trying to somehow figure it out. Help us just to listen to you and allow you to lead us and guide us. And Lord, may we just uh, not allow the devil to deceive us or, or just complicate matters. Now, Father, bless this evening as we... Share your blessed book, Father, with these thy people. May our hearts be stirred, and may you speak to my heart. 
Help me, Lord. I need you. I can't do this without you. Lord, I'm just a clay here tonight. I need your filling. Uh, Father, we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, <clears throat> let's continue with Lot now. Lot, take your Bible, if you would, turn to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, we're going to read a number of verses here. Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 13. If I could just have two people read that for me, that'd be good. I need uh, about six verses and then seven verses. How about we do it that way? We'll do six and then seven, all right? Who read the first six verses? Yes, sir. Who read the next seven verses? Anybody? Yes, sir. Okay, good. All right, so chapter 13, verses 1 through 6, would you please? Yes, through 13, correct. And there was a, a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, All right, so we have a very familiar passage, of course. And uh, again, if you've been in Sunday school at all, uh, or a church at all, you've been uh, grilled on this, you've been taught this, you've heard about it. And we have a character by the name of Lot, and of course we have uh, Abram as well. And these two men, of course, are very prosperous. God is blessing them. And uh, of course, there comes a point where it seems that the, 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 their, their workers just can't get along, so to speak. And so... Uh, Abraham and Lot come to this, you know, we're going to separate, we're going to go our separate ways, and so ultimately the decision is made, and uh, we read in chapter 13, verse 10 and 11, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. Notice it says, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. They separated themselves one from the other. Now, Egypt's always a type of the world. We know that. Every time we see it, it's a type of the world. And notice that Sodom and Gomorrah is likened unto the land of Egypt, or that area there, likened unto the land of Egypt. So what is we learning? We're learning that that's basically the world. We're going toward the world now. He's making a decision. He's going toward the world. It says here that Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Lot journeyed east. Okay, they separated themselves. Now, Egypt always a type of the world. Like a lot, like a lot of people was content to journey in the world. Many people are content to journey in the world, aren't they? 
I mean, we're talking about believers even. Content to journey in the world. Content to embrace the world. Content to embrace the ideology, the philosophies of the world. That is unfortunately a reality in Christianity today. Now again, we're to be peculiar people. We're to be unique and different. We're to be uh, 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 just a, a people that stands out among the world. And uh, unfortunately today, we, if we're not careful, we, we try to fit in as much as we possibly can. And I'm glad in our church we have a number of people that choose not to do that. But the fact is, is that it's not that way around the world. You know what I mean? Christianity as a whole is very content to fit in, to be like the world. And Lot is just one of those uh, people who's willing to be like the world. And so he chooses the plain. Now, Lot made the mistake. Here's one of Lot's mistakes, just one of them. He makes a number of them. But one of the mistakes that Lot makes is that he, he chooses, instead of deferring the choice, to a much wiser and much elderly man by the name of Abraham. He should have let Abraham have choice. Now, Abraham is obviously a very gracious man. But when it comes time to choose, Lot chooses. doesn't say Abraham chose. Lot chose. That's a mistake, young people. Don't you step up and make choices when there's an older person that's going to be reaping the, the, the result of your choice. If I have a choice to make, and there's a 70-year-old that's got that choice to make, and, and the two of us are going to have to make a decision, I'm going to say, hey, what do you think? What do you want to do? Probably he'd been around a little longer. He has a little more experience. He's uh, seen a few more things. And in this case, there was nothing wrong with Abraham. Abraham was a pretty good guy. As a matter of fact, God called him out of Haran to go find uh, into the land of Canaan. So obviously God thought pretty highly of Abraham. I mean, I don't know who Lot is, but I know who Abraham is. I, I don't know who Lot thinks he is, but he obviously thought he was somebody. And then he turns around and gets the opportunity to make a decision and Abraham says, go ahead, let's, uh, let's, we got to separate. Obviously, you're telling me your guys can't get along with my guys. And Lot says, okay, well, we need to separate. That's fine. Um, okay, I'll tell you where I want to go. And so Lot, looking over this land, made the decision. He should have deferred to his senior and his better. I'll just say that that way. He really should have. Lot miscalculated. He miscalculated the consequences when he permitted his hunger for ambition to trump every stop sign along the pathway to Sodom. Listen, there were a number of stop signs. If he had just taken the time to think it through, if he had just given it a little bit of spiritual consideration, he'd have realized there were a number of reasons why he should not go that direction and should not rest in that land. He saw the stop signs. He chose to disregard them. His ambition caused him to fail to see what he wanted to see. Listen, let's just bring it up like I told you. It's a lot like the singles class, but you know what? I get a little sick and tired of hearing young people that get married tell me six months later, I didn't know he was like that. I didn't know she was like that. I get a little fed up with that. I'm going to tell you, I tell these young people all the time, you better start looking for the stop signs because if they're there, you'll see them if you're just honest with yourself. The fact is you don't want to see them. That's the problem. You choose not to see them. So don't play that game. Take responsibility for your choices. And the fact is, is that Lot, he can take, say all day long, there were no stop signs along the way, and that Sodom and Gomorrah was a well-watered plain. And it was a beautiful place to go. Everything was A-OK. -okay. Everything was topside. Everything was a go. Green light, baby. No, it wasn't green light. The fact was his ambition trumped every stop sign that was there in the land. He chose not to see it. He didn't want to see it. And he just wouldn't allow himself or permit himself to see it. And you know what? We do that too in our lives. We make decisions sometimes 
and we make decisions that are not spiritual. We, don't, we make decisions sometimes, when we're not careful, that lead us down a path to a Sodom and Gomorrah, so to speak, to a negative environment, to a bad situation, and we'll say, I just didn't see it. You better slow down long enough. You better pray hard enough. You better dig in deep enough so that you make the right decisions because I promise you, God's not going to leave you with green lights to lead you to Sodom and Gomorrah. Not going to do that to you. He won't do that. He doesn't go, ha, 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 I faked you out. <laughs> you get to lose everything now. God doesn't do that to us. The devil does that. So the devil will try to, try to cover up every stop sign he can but the fact is, if you're walking around and you're genuinely serious and you're begging God to reveal things to you, he'll begin to show you things if you're sincere. The problem is, our desire for the thing we want is usually greater than our desire for the will of God. We've got to be so careful. His pride blinded him from the potential dangers that lurked ahead. That was a reality. Lot thought he was all that. If he didn't think he was all that, he would have never made the decision. He'd have let Abraham make the decision. He thought he had it all figured out. He thought he knew which way to go. He thought he had it all a good game plan. He thought that, man, there's no way this is going to go upside down for me. Man, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be a rich man. I'm going to be comfortable. Everything's going to be wonderful. Man, I'm going to have my family set. I'm going to have a retirement program that's out of sight. Man, this is the right way to go. Unfortunately, it wasn't God in it. It was his ambition. It was his pride, his arrogance. It's him. He lost sight of his wife. He lost sight of his children. He even lost sight of his God. And how do you do that? A wild pursuit of pleasure, power, and prosperity. That's why he lost sight of them. Because all he could see was pleasure, power, and prosperity. And we might be Christians today, but we're still flesh. We can't lie to ourselves. We've got to be honest with ourselves. The day you say, that wouldn't be me. The day you better hold on to your seat. You're going for a tough ride. A real bumpy ride. This, young, this man here, probably a younger, obviously younger than Abram, uh, but he lost sight of his wife, his children, and even his God. Oh, he could have said, I'm doing this for my family. I want them to prosper. No, he wasn't. He's doing it for him. I'm doing this for God. No, he wasn't. He's doing it for him. I'm doing this for my wife. I want her to be proud of me. No, you're doing that for you to be proud of yourself. Don't you throw your wife in. Don't blame her for that mess. Don't blame God for the mess. Don't blame your kids or your family. No, this is about you trying to measure up your own eyes, trying to be somebody you want to be. So that you can say, hey, I'm somebody. I finally arrived. I made it. I finally got that first million in the bank. Well, Lot, you got your first million, all right. God got tired of the open sin and rebellion. And so what did he do? He decides to end it all there in, in Sodom and Gomorrah. He got fed up with it. He got fed up with it. So he sends a couple of angels into the city to seek out the righteous and ultimately to find Lot and his family. So he, he arrives there. The whole city's corrupt, along with Lot even. He's no better than the rest of them. He just happens to be at the right end of grace. When the men approach the angels to do them harm, Lot offers his own daughters to him. That's how far this guy's sunk. Someone says, well, that was just the culture in those days. That's how they did things. You know, they'd rather, you know, their daughter be abused all night than those men be abused. I don't care what you say. You go to do whatever you want. There ain't no way in the world, being right with God, I'm going to offer my daughters to a bunch of nasty, sinful, wicked men. 
No way in the world. There's something wrong with that man right there. That's, 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 that ain't a man right there. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. Do to them as it is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under my, the shadow of my roof. Now listen, I don't have to know, I don't care what anybody says to me. I don't have to know Eastern uh, <laughs> etiquette. All I'm saying to you is this. My daughters are more important to me than any one of you. They're more important than any angel that shows up at my door, to be honest with you. An angel will take care of himself. I'm a spiritual. I understand that. This guy is so wicked, so sinful, that he's willing to even throw his daughters out to the wolves. Right. i got a real problem with that. So the angels, they, they take care of business, right? They blind these wicked men. And so then he, they say, Lot, you need to go warn your family. So let everybody in your family know that the city's going to be destroyed. In Genesis 19, 14 through 15, the Bible says, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters. Now, this, these are different daughters, mind you. Remember, the other ones had knew not man. So he's got a couple daughters that have never known men. These are other daughters that have. They're married now, obviously. So he's got some other daughters and sons-in-laws. It's not the same two girls that were in the house. They weren't all living together. And so Lot went out, spake unto his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. They were just like, you're just a foolish old man. You're a nutcase. You're a loony bin. You're a crazy, psycho nutcase. That's exactly what they're saying. They mocked. It was like he mocked. It was like he's making fun, like he's joking about it or something. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife, thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Now, again, according to the scriptures, Lot had at least two daughters and sons-in-laws. They would all perish with the city. They perished. That's all there was to it. Not only that, but his own wife would be lost. Remember, she looks back. She's turned to what? A pillar of salt. Yep. You see her back there. See her standing back there? There she is. She's a pillar of salt back there. Still looks, I don't think she's a pillar yet, though. Doesn't, doesn't look like it. But anyway, she's a pillar of salt. So the sad reality is this. Salt's, uh, Lot's pride and ambition cost him his family, cost him his fortune, and it cost him his future. Now, originally I had something in there, but what you're going to find is that, is that I, I took it out, but Lot ultimately has an ancestral relationship with his two daughters. And the Moabites and the Ammonites are a result of that relationship. They become the enemies of Israel. And therefore, not only does he wreck and ruin his own daughters there in the city, but now his other daughters are wrecked and ruined. And his wife is lost. Why? Because of his, well, right here it is, making the mistake of thinking that he could get close could get close to the world without the world rubbing off on him. He thought he could get close to the world without the world rubbing off on him. That, that's a mistake. That was a mistake, by the way. And he thought he could flirt with sin and still remain spiritual. You want to know something? I think there's a lot of Christians, we think that we can flirt with sin and still remain spiritual. I think we think we can walk the tightrope between the world and righteousness. And still be spiritual. Lot proves it doesn't work. It doesn't work. That was a miscalculation. A great miscalculation and a great mistake. A great mistake. He miscalculated the cost of his choice 
and his mistake would continue to haunt him as, and his offspring forever. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I do not believe necessarily that Lot left going, I can't wait to get involved in sin over there. I'm not sure if that's how he left or not. He could have left going, you know what? No problem, man. They got well-watered plains. Man, plenty of room for my cattle and my sheep and my workers and my family. And man, we're just going to, it's going to be, I mean, we're going to be making money hand over fist, so to speak. It's going to be great. He gets tied into Sodom and Gomorrah. He rubs shoulders with sin. He rubs shoulders with that culture, that society. Next thing you know, he's sitting at the gate, the Bible tells us. What's that mean? That means he's one of the leaders of the city. You cannot, nor can I, make the mistake of thinking we can get close to the world without the world rubbing off on us. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Go ahead. Play with fire. See if you get burned. You, you don't want to play with it. You'll get burned. And so he says, now nah, that's, I'm the exception to the rule. Okay. I, I think the word of God is pretty clear. Lot learned his lesson the hard way. God would spare us this plight, but the choice is really ours, isn't it? It's up to you. It's up to you. Young people, be careful. The world can look really good, especially at your age. man. I mean, it is amazing how good the world looks. And you want to know something? There's some great things about the world. It's not all bad, okay? It's not all bad. But you better be careful you don't rub up against sin. Be careful you don't play with sin. If you start, as we said here, if you start getting close to the world, it's going to rub off on you. So that's what we find here. That was the mistake he made. And again, um, you don't flirt with sin and remain spiritual. And ultimately, the cost of your choice, it can be very grave. Okay, so we learn that from Lot. Then we consider Abraham, chapter 16. Let's turn there. Abraham, chapter 16. <clears throat> verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to read verse 16. We'll read verses 1 through 3 for me. We'll read that. We got a lot of, yeah, go ahead, Stephen. Let's go ahead and stand and sing, uh, read that for us real loud, would you, Stephen? Genesis 16, 1 through 3. And then in verse 16 it says, And I will make of thy seed as the dust of the earth, so, doth it, uh, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Now, what we have before us here is kind of a timeline. You know, we, 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 know, we know Abraham and, and probably have heard this particular account. But he's called out to go to the land of Canaan when he's 75 years old. Now, in Genesis 12, that's when it takes place. We see that in Genesis 12. He's 75. It will be 10 years later. You say, what's the difference between 10 and the, the 6 would be, would be 11 years. That 86 and 75 is 11. Well, he conceives Ishmael at 10 years. She, he's born at his 11th year. He's been 11 years now in the land. It's no big deal. It's not a big, tough thing. There's nine months, obviously, there. So it's not a problem. But 10 years after he's called out of, of, of Haran... He's, he's out, of, out of his land there. 
He's now uh, going looking in search of Canaan, of course, and he's in this new land. And now 10 years later, birth of Ishmael takes place. So he's been 10 years now. And 10 years after the promise that he's going to have a seed, an offspring, he gets, obviously, some things go awry here. It will be another 15 years, basically, 14, 15 years now, between the time of Ishmael's birth and Isaac being born. Now Abraham's not just 86, he's now 100 years old, okay? So 25 years from the time that he is called out in chapter 12 to the time that Isaac is born transpires. Now that, that, that's a promise God made him. A God made him a promise, and 25 years later, he fulfills the promise. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but 25 years is not nearly as long as it used to be. But, but it's still a long time. I mean, can you imagine? If the Lord says to one of you ladies, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you offspring, you're going to have a child, and then five years goes by and you still haven't had a child. Ten years goes by, you still haven't had a child. I mean, you're getting pretty impatient by now, right? You're going, man, my life's passing me up. I mean, I'm going to pass up these years where I can have kids. And it's been ten years. I mean, come on now, we've got to be getting on this thing. God, do you, you really know what you're doing? And that's what we find going on here with Abram. Abraham lost hope. He lost hope. Somebody says, he didn't lose hope, his wife lost hope. Well, he's the dummy that went ahead and married his, his wife's handmaid. He's the one that, what, he listened to his wife? I'm sure that he went around, I'm sure his wife went around the house telling him what to do all the time. You really think so? I don't think that. I don't think that a bit. I think, the Bible tells us Sarah was the kind of wife that all women ought to be. At least that's what it says in the Bible. So she wasn't going around telling him, you do this. Go here, here's your to-do list, honey. Get it done now. And if you don't get it done, I'll spank you at the end of the day. You know, he's not like that. You know, Abraham himself, he had lost some hope. And you know what? He grew impatient with God. What did he do? He took matters in his own hands. He took matters in his own hands. That's what happened. The Bible tells us, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. See, God has perfect timing. Never early, never late. It takes a little patience and a whole lot of faith. But it's worth the wait. It's pretty good, isn't it? I wish I wrote it. But we're to wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Did Abraham wait on the Lord? No. Why? He lost hope. He became impatient. He allowed others even to persuade him to abandon God's promise for a counterfeit. Oh, well, obviously, honey, I'll never have a child. Obviously, God hasn't looked favorably on me. Obviously, God hates my guts. You better go to my handmaid. She'll have to have a child on my behalf. I don't know what Abraham thought. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know, I don't know if he's like, great, cool, another wife. I don't know if he thought, well, I'll please my wife, I guess, and... I'm bumming because we don't have a kid, and I'd sure like to have a kid running around here. I don't know 100%, but I know he must have gotten impatient. So he went ahead and said, okay, sounds like a game plan. It's not God's plan, but we'll do it. Because let's face it, you know, God wants us to have kids, you know. So we're just going to have to do whatever it takes. He allowed others to persuade him to abandon God's promise for a counterfeit. He settled instead of being steadfast. Boy, you know, this is what I love about teaching singles. 
And by the way, there's a lot of divorced people out there that better learn this lesson too. Better learn this lesson. There'll be plenty of people who want you to settle for a counterfeit. Oh, yeah. You better be patient and wait on God. You better be careful. It, it, listen, no marriage is better than a bad marriage. You say, oh, no, it wouldn't be. Oh, it, it'd be so wonderful to be married. Oh. Yeah, find the wrong one. Tell me how wonderful it is. You'll beg God for those days of singleness. Go ahead. Uh, you, you know, you, you can't know what everybody's going to do all the time. Don't misunderstand me. I understand that. But, you know, 10 years from now, you know, you get married, things are going great, and then 10 years, things blow up in your face. I don't know what to tell you. That's, that's a mess. You can't control those things. But the point being is, is that you better be careful who you get stuck with. Because once you get married, you're stuck. Trust me. Whether or not you, I don't even go into it. It's not marriage class. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Sometimes when things are falling apart, they may actually be falling into place. That's something you've got to keep in mind all the time. Abraham got impatient. Ten years into this thing. It would be another 15 before he has finally the child that God had promised. But that child was right on time. But you know what? From his perspective, it wasn't even close. And you know what? That's how we feel sometimes. You know, we got to have that new car now. We have to have that house now. We have to have those kids now. We have to have that guy or gal now. You know, we just got to have it now. Surely God wants me happy. Surely God wouldn't want me to wait around this long. I've been waiting this long. I've been praying, begging God, and he hasn't made it clear there's certainly he wants this. This has to be his will. No, it doesn't have to be God's will. God's will is, and his plan is always his plan and his will. It's never yours. It's not mine necessarily. It's his. You've got to wait on the Lord. Be patient. Abraham's mistake was that he took matters in his own hands. He miscalculated the consequences of his actions. We know how it turned out. Two peoples that would never get along again. They're trying to tell us now that's not really the case. You know, there's people going, oh, that wasn't the result of Ishmael anymore. Uh, yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah, well, there's people. Because we, we don't want to be too hard on the Muslims, you know. But the fact is, is that Abraham made a mistake. He took matters in his own hands. You ever take matters in your own hands? How did it end up? How did it end up? And, and honestly, I mean, this, this is not rocket scientists, science here. It's basic stuff. But you know what? Every one of these young people, and maybe every one of you, if you've ever made a mistake, most of the time, our mistakes come when we try to step in and take things into our own hands. We try to fix our own problems. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That's the key to everything. The Christian life is a waiting game. That's all it is. It's a waiting game. You're waiting on God to reveal truth. You're waiting on God to answer prayer. You're waiting on God to put you or to place you where he wants you. You're always waiting on God. That's what the Christian life is. And if you aren't patient, you will be out of the will of God before long because it's a waiting game. So you have to learn to be trusting the Lord, waiting on the Lord. That's all there is to it. All right, Father, we come to you.
We thank you again, Father, for all you do for us. Lord, we certainly realize, Lord, that there are basic truths in the Word of God, simple principles that govern our lives. And Lord, it's not easy sometimes to wait on you. And, and Lord, we see, Father, that at times our personal pride and our ambition can get in there and we can step out on our own 